We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. This is going to be a first look at the Charles Schwab Challenge. So the schedule for the week on the Pat Mayo Experience is going to be Monday, Feinberg and I. Feinberg's going to be back in studio sitting six feet away from me. But we're going to be talking about our picks, our bets for the Charles Schwab Challenge from Colonial. You're going to want to tune into that one. Also, Tuesday, Ben Raza, Rick Gaiman, the crew back together Talking about all of the DraftKings pricing and picks and strategy. Because, folks, if you didn't hear, there is a $1 million millionaire maker for Colonial this year. That's a lot of money for Colonial. And we'll dig a little bit deeper into everything that's going on with the field because it's an expanded field. And, of course, the field is as strong as it's ever been. In fact, it's not even close. It's so much stronger than it's ever been for the Charles Schwab Challenge. It's the toughest field in golf since last year's bmw championship the second round of the fedex cup playoffs that's how good it is it's better than one of those like scrub wgc's over in china it's better than that this is how good the first tournament back is going to be so a ton of money available on DraftKings. so you're going to want to tune into tuesday show wednesday i'm going to do a live chat me and you you're going to send your questions in i'm going to answer them likely incorrectly but hey here we are. But what I want to do today is do a first look. And what I mean by that is I haven't done any research for this yet. I read Ben Coley's article up on SportingLife.com where he goes player by player. That's always a great read. Uh, it's awesome that he did this for the Charles Schwab Challenge because he usually only does it for the majors. But I love Ben. I love his writing. So I think everyone should go check that out. Uh, I also read my column from last year's Colonial and the year before at Colonial just to see where my headspace was. But You'd think with like three months to wait, all of the research goes into figuring out who's going to win the Charles Schwab Challenge. And I'll talk about some of the difficulties that we may have trying to assess the field when it comes down to that, uh, but probably delving more into that on Monday's show. But as a lot of people know and have sent me well wishes, I thank you for them. Uh, We welcome, my wife and I welcomed our second son into the world, Max Mayo. 
Strong name, by the way. Maximus Mayo. Uh, he needs to have the strong name in case he has, like, genes like me, and, like, he's going to need a strong name to, like, carry him by. Wanted to name him Dr. Mayo. Uh, whether he's a doctor or not, people will just think he's a doctor, and that carries a lot of weight when it comes down to it. My wife, she put the uh, the old kibosh on that. However, you'd think I'd have all this time to study up on it because it's not just one newborn at home. It's two kids under 16 months at home, and where I live, we're still on quarantine. Everything shut down, so no daycare, no family around, uh, not a whole lot of time to research a lot of fantasy golf and golf picks when you have to play the the two-man defense on the two little kids just going bananas the entire time. I was able to give myself a haircut, and if you thought I was bad at, like, picks for fantasy golf, uh, haircut, falling back on barbering duties is not going to be a career path for me. So I really needed golf to come back so I could have everyone on the show uh, and to talk about this. I, I really miss doing it. I know a lot of people out there have missed talking about golf, playing golf, watching golf, and consuming these shows because we really love doing them. So again, Monday, we're going to go boom, boom, boom. I might even do a showdown show on Thursday evening or Friday evening. I doubt we're going to get a cut sweats in, but it does look like there's going to be a ton of TV coverage, online coverage. The PGA is in such a unique position to really isolate the calendar. All these four days for themselves. There's going to be UFC. There's going to be Bundesliga. But in terms of North American, American sports, uh, golf just carries a bigger hammer than UFC does right now. And it's a completely different audience. And it's on all day long. So I really hope they get this right. I think there is going to be Shot Tracker, which if there's no Shot Tracker, I'm not going to complain about golf being back. But if there's no Shot Tracker, it's going to be like mind-numbing the entire time to try to figure out how your guys are doing. Normally with Colonial, it is only 120 players because this is one of the five invitationals on tour. This year, that's out the window. There's going to be like 150 people in the field. So the finalized field will happen after the Monday qualifier. Those players will get re-upped into DraftKings after the fact, but they're probably not guys you want. Maybe they are actually this time around. I actually don't know. There's so many unknowns with this, which really makes the strategy behind trying to win a lot of money on DraftKings this week really unique. That's why Ben Raza in particular, he has a cool article up on awesomeo.com right now uh, about how the different things that you can do to either make your rosters unique, what you should be looking for, how to really win and place highly in GPPs to give yourself the chance because no one's going to tell you how to win the millionaire maker. It just doesn't work like that. But how do you construct teams to give yourself not only a great position to win it, to get into contention, but if you do get in contention with your picks, you want to be able to isolate the field a little bit that you and maybe only a handful, a scattershot full of others actually have a chance to win. Ben really hammers down on that. He's one of the best GPP players alive, so I'd highly recommend that. So I'm going to have him on the show so he can spell this all out for us for like morons like myself, that he can tell it to me in plain terms so I can figure it out. I would like everyone out there to please smash the like button for the episode, and in the comment section, you tell me your favorite player from the top end of the board that you're going to full out fade in DraftKings for the Charles Schwab Challenge Millionaire Maker. Also, the podcast is the lifeblood, the audio podcast of this. So if you're a first-time viewer, you want to listen to the audio version, probably not the best episode to listen to the audio version. The rest are better than that because there's going to be visuals as a part of this show. Uh, but please, go subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. While you're there, spend the 20 seconds, leave a five-star review and something you really enjoy about the show. I'd say... Give me something that you would like to see on this show, but I've done that before, and the suggestions are just fucking horrible, so just don't worry about that. Something you like about the show. How about that? Maybe it's, I'm fired up, Jeff Feinberg is going to be back in studio talking about all of this. But the big thing 
that I'm going to be doing right now. Like I mentioned, I haven't done any research, and that's why I wanted to do this. Normally, I do this at home. I do all my notes up, uh, and I do my first glance. My first glance usually takes like 20 to 30 minutes. I just like to absorb what's going on, and I really do need a refresher this time around because obviously there hasn't been golf in three months. How are we going to treat that? So, of course, I always start at FantasyNational.com. But here's the great thing. FantasyNational.com, until the first shot is hit, Maybe I won't even say that. Until Thursday next week, FantasyNational.com is free for anyone who wants to go sign up and use it. All you need is an email address right now. When the site goes back behind the paywall, then at that point you're going to have to pay for the weekly, for the monthly, the yearly, whatever it might be. If you enjoy your experience with FantasyNational.com, and that's what I'm going to be sharing with you guys, how I really use that. If you hit the description of this video or podcast, you can find a link to me going a full deep dive in how I actually use FantasyNational.com in order to figure out what I'm going to do for this week, to figure out the plays, to figure out you know, guys that are going to be in a good position on paper, at least, you know, they still have to go out and hit the shots. Again, something that's going to be a bit tricky to know who's rusty and who's not this time around. But FantasyNational.com is free. If you do enjoy it and you do want to re-up afterwards, use the promo code MAYO, M-A-Y-O. Get yourself a discount. Just punch that right in, and you'll be good to go. And especially, like, if you're going to be playing Showdown or you're going to be trying to bet live leaders or long-shot bets, having access to the live leaderboard once everything is going on is critical when everything happens. You're going to want access to FantasyNational.com. So let's just jump right into it. Let's let's share my screen with you guys. Loaded up on the page right now, the 2020 Charles Schwab betting odds field. I'm going to switch that over. You can always toggle up here. You can check out the Masters, too, if you want. But Charles Schwab DraftKings pricing is going to sort by DraftKings. This is the default view of all the strokes gain stuff at the top. And if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, I would highly recommend going to the visual version. I'm going to talk this out and talk it through to explain what I'm doing the entire time. But at the same time, uh, you're probably going to want some visuals to match, and that's what's going to happen in the video version. So if you hit the description of the podcast, you can go check out the video version of that right now. Remember to smash the like while you're there, too. Always goes a long way. Share the show around as well to get people all fired up for a millionaire maker on DraftKings. So I have it sorted by the last 50 rounds right now. So the biggest thing we're going to have to deal with this week is how do you account for rust? Because we're not going to know how a lot of these players have been grinding. I mean, I assume Sung J.M. has been on the course for 14 hours a day in Florida, locked up wherever the hell he's at. But I don't know that about every single player. So you really have a decision to make. Maybe you follow these guys on Instagram or Twitter. You have inside info. But a Applying something to one player doesn't necessarily mean if you have, let's say, John Rahm, you know for a fact he's been grinding, he's been playing a course just like Colonial the entire time. Uh, That's great. That's great information to have, I suppose. But then you go down to like Matt Kuchar. If you don't know what Matt Kuchar is doing, how do you account for rust or grinding with him? So I think you almost have to go full level playing field for this. It's going to be hard to account for that. So you need to assess these players based on what their actual baseline stats are. And I don't know if 50 rounds is going to be enough. I'm going to look at the past 100 rounds. Uh, That gives me a pretty good sample. If you want to check out what the rounds actually accounted for, like if we click on Rory and go over, we're just going to see the last 100 rounds of the stats that's going on. You'll see some of the black spaces here, like the Zozo and the WGC champions in China didn't have shot link. So we're not going to have any information for that. But if the past 100 rounds goes back to Memorial, 
in 2018 for Rory. So, you know, the last year and a half, last two years is probably a pretty good sample of where the baseline numbers on a player are going to be. So I think if you're going to find things like approach or off the tee, putting is always tricky. We know that, uh, that that's probably the best Best way you can do it. You can even go back and look at recent form, too. If you want to go like past 24 rounds and figure out who was hot going into the break, I mean, that's a way that you can play it, too. There's not going to be a right answer to this. That's one of the big, excellent features of Fantasy Nationals. You're going to make your own decisions. The information is going to be there. Whatever you decide to search is going to be the thing. So let's just take a quick gander at the past course conditions and the course breakdown for Colonial. So uh, a lot of times Colonial was played between 7,200 and 7,400 yards. Last year it played less than 7,200. On the scorecard it says 7,209. So I'm going to treat that as a short course, 7,200 or under. If it gets 10 yards above it, yeah, you know what, no big deal. Uh, the last two rounds last year were windy AF as well. That's why when you look at it, uh, and Kevin Nall was putting the lights out. He, he really had to make up strokes there that way. Bent grass greens, uh, generally difficult relative to par uh, in terms of the average course on the PGA Tour, despite being a par 70 and being one of the shorter courses on tour. The big thing that we're going to see, I'll switch over to the breakdown here as well, uh, and you can get the scorecard for yourself, is that there's not going to be grandstands. There's not going to be fans. Uh, We know this is tree-lined, and there's a lot of players out there who, if they're slightly veering off to the left or slightly veering off to the right a little bit, maybe you hit a fan and it goes back into the fairway or it doesn't go quite deep into these trees, which could cause a lot of trouble. There's no grandstands around the greens at some of these holes, and that can really save your ass uh, if you go long or you go a little bit left that you're going to have to play it where it lies. I would think that I would actually not overemphasize something like strokes gained around the green, but I think with these conditions, I think it's somewhat prudent to increase accuracy and increase around the green just a little bit this week. Not to say, oh, this guy's great around the green, he's going to win. But if someone is like putrid around the greens, then maybe you back off them slightly. Because we've seen different players at this course, different skill sets win. Obviously, not so rarely ends up gaining strokes off the tee he did here last year at colonial but it's a lot of it's going to be hitting fairways so you don't need to be a big bomber but we've seen someone like john rom or brooks kepka go out and absolutely hammer the ball off the tee cutting trees off on the dog legs like that's a way that you can approach it too you can play a bomb and gouge type game here but if you're going to do that it could be a more difficult scenario if you do get off of the fairway again that's a judgment call you don't need to listen to that you can think about it the exact opposite way that you know without fans that everyone's going to have the same sort of difficulties but i think i would lean fairway and more a little bit around the green than normal not to overemphasize it over off the tee or driving distance or approach because approach is going to be my bag this week as we see here uh the average strokes game per round of the top 10 finishers in this tournament you can see that approach greatly outweighs more than doubles both off the tee and around the green putting you're not so rarely are you going to win a tournament by not putting well so of course uh, the top 10 finishers are going to be up there but you can adjust that any way you want you can just say hey guys who make the cut how do they do well it's even more on approach a bit a little bit less than putting and around the green and off the tee balance themselves out a little bit so i think when i break it down i have my model set up uh, from last year i'm going to take a gander at it here in a second but approach is going to be overemphasized for sure. And I'll probably split up off the tee into off the tee because that does combine both driving distance and accuracy. But I'll probably add an extra weight for accuracy in there just to try to save my ass a little bit. One thing I did notice about the scorecard for Colonial, though, you'll see holes one and two are the two easiest on the 
card. You have the par five to kick it off, and then a short-ish, less than 400-yard par four uh, to keep it going. So you'll see that there's a 43% birdie rate on hole one, 25 on hole two. And then on hole three, it's only 10%. If you play showdown contests, we talk about stacking a lot, whether it's a win draw, whether it's a skill set draw, whatever it might be. For showdown contests, if you want to get that elusive three birdie streak, having guys start on hole one probably isn't the key because you go holes one, two, the two easiest ones, and then you have hole three, which is the third toughest hole on the course. Birdie rate of only 10% by the field. But if you have guys starting on hole number 10, yeah, it's fine. They run through this horrible stretch here of the fifth, sixth, and fourth in holes 12, 13, and 14. Everyone's going to have to play those anyway. Not a big deal. But then you go to 17 and 18, where 17 has a almost 20% birdie rate, uh, and so does 18. It has 18.3, much higher than the 10.3% at number two. So you're going to have a chance where players can actually go birdie, birdie, 17, 18, then take the easy birdie on one, or potentially birdie 18, then go two easier birdies on one and two if you actually want to get that streak. There's always some scorecard manipulation that you can do in terms of showdown contests. I generally like to bet first round leaders and not play first round showdown, but for second round showdown, it's something I'm definitely going to be targeting this time around. And then I'll be using the live leaderboard for from Fantasy National once the stats from day one are posted. And I can see you know, which players really struck the ball well, but just couldn't sink a putt. Maybe I'll go back to those guys. Like, did they hit 17 of 18 greens in regulation, yet only made one birdie? Huh. That seems strange. That's probably going to reverse itself or at least normalize a little bit the next day. And there's a bunch of information on the screen, but generally speaking, we look at it. Approach means a lot. You need someone who's a good putter. Uh, and with the scorecard manipulation, like I said, for showdown, you can figure that out too. The whole composition, uh, you have four really short sub 400 par fours. Uh, those should all be birdie chances. We can go take a gander at who I keep saying gander a lot. I, I don't know if there's a lot of like geese around, but here's a, here's where we are. Uh, guys, I can birdie those short holes uh, and we'll go look through the fantasy national stats to see who actually does well on those holes and the average shot distribution. It's pretty level. Uh, you know, the 150 to 175 range, you're going to see Harder courses have more in this range, the 175 plus and the 200 plus. So it's more of a wedge fest, shorter iron fest, as you can see from a lot of these players. Uh, The historic cut line, plus five, plus three, plus three. Not sure where that's going to end up going because along with like it's we'll take a look at course history here now. Um, Let's see here. Let's go back to the main page, go to tournament history and see how a lot of these players have actually done over the years. Um, so we see that Rory you know, just hasn't played. Uh, Dustin Johnson just hasn't played. This is only going back the last five years, which is probably a pretty decent sample of what's going on. Speed kills this course, by the way. Two seconds, a first, came T10 last year, and he wasn't even playing well. Kevin Na, also someone who has played pretty well here in the past. Um, so it's really interesting to parse it out that way to see how they played. Rose won in his first start in ages in 2018, but just to look at overall strokes gain total. Now, this is going to be uh, an aggregation stat because it's not going to be per average. It's going to be over the last five years. And as you can see, you know, these are three winners. You have Spieth, Knott, and Kisner. They've, you know, the winners of 2019, 2017, 2016 uh, have all gained over 30 strokes total. But when you look at actual course history, like 
Let's take someone like Emiliano Grillo, for instance. So T19, third, T24, T55 has made the cut in each of the past five years. Of course, the cut rules have changed this year. Uh, it's top 65 in ties and no one MDFs before it was top 75, top 70 and ties. And after that, it was a cut after day three if there was more than 80, more than 78 players, sorry, uh, who had made the cut on the weekend. This time, if your guys make the cut, they make the cut. Maybe quarantine has changed that a little bit, uh, but I haven't heard any new COVID cut line rules. So that's what I'm going with for the moment. But as you can see, like, just let's just look at the leaderboard from last year. Nah, Finau, Putnam, CT Pan. Roy Sabatini, Ryan Palmer, who is a member at Colonial, uh, for what it's worth. As you can see, he either gets cut or he finishes basically inside the top 10. So he's a really real big crapshoot this week. Mac Hughes, Nick Watney, Mr. Texas himself, Charlie Hoffman, Uline Gay. The big difference between guys that really have excellent course history at Colonial and this year is that the strength of the field is just so much stronger. Uh, you have so many players inside the top 25 in the world actually coming to compete this week. Like on a normal basis, Rory, Rom may have played this. JT, Bryson, Webb would have played. Brooks probably wasn't going to play. Neither was Xander. Neither was Ricky. Neither was Dustin. Sungjae plays like every event, so he's probably in. So the strength of the field is really going to throw off course history in an interesting way because, yeah, um, let's go up here. It was like the worst. Keith Clearwater, former winner, minus 57 strokes gained over the last five years. Impressive stuff, Keith. Keep it up. But someone like, I mean, uh, Kevin Tway, for example. Tway has... Three top 20 finishes in all three starts at Colonial. Now, is that a product of him playing well? Potentially. We'll go dig into Kevin Tway here in a second. I think that's interesting to go through. And this is a part of my process. This is all the stuff I look at, see what names pop up, and then dig in a little bit deeper to figure out you know, how did they do this. So if we just look up Charles Schwab, um, for whatever reason, we only have two years of data from him. Um, but now he's done really well on approach. He's done really well around the... He's, done really well around the greens he's done really well on the greens it's kind of strange that he lost so many strokes uh, <laughs> off the tee that's usually like i guess i mean long term he's been good lately he was really bad now he's kind of turning it around a little bit let's see how he was doing going in not not well off the tee it's, it's really been hampering him so maybe that's not a great spot to really go attack kevin tway but the kevin tways of the world is that a product of let's say a weaker field and that's why he was able to gain these sort of strokes because the competition wasn't as high i would probably say yes let's go look at the strokes gain leaderboard from last year and see what the guys did really well it's funny that one and two uh on the leaderboard actually lost strokes around the green it's not listen if you're going to gain seven strokes putting and you're kevin not you can lose 1.4 around the greens that's not that big of a deal because you're making like every 15 footer but the approach was just off the charts who was actually the best on approach last year ass wagon seven that means i probably played him the next week and he came like dead last or something um every that's really interesting i wonder if todd ended up playing this because todd is someone that i think that if we're going to go uh he has a win in texas at the byron nelson in the past that was years ago obviously before he went on his resurgence but he hits like every single fairway which could really go a long way this week i would actually think in corollary courses as well if we're thinking about the shorter end courses uh this week that you know sony open heritage which we're going to get next week which i'm super fired up about i hope there's another millionaire maker for that and then the Wyndham championship uh those would be the three that i'd lump into the mix with colonial shorter more historic courses on tour uh that realistically that we're just not used to seeing week to week to week i'm going to load up my model here for a second as you can see along the side i save all my models as we go along uh most of the time i go in and 
pretend how it did. Uh, let's see. Eastlake. Okay. John Deere. Trust it more. Uh, Quail Hollow. Needs fixing. RSM. Actually trusted. Back to the drawing board at the Safeway for Colonial. I actually have a note that it's pretty good. So that's great news. So let's see what I've done here. Uh, 30 on approach. 18% on fairways gained. Uh, you can adjust these to whatever you want. Sometimes I just like to spit it out and see what happens. I did make note that there were those par fours that were shorter than 400 yards. So I'm going to add in the 350 to 400. I'm going to scale back fairways gained to 15% and give a little bit of weighting to that. I'm going to scale back putting, drop that down to 12%. Normally I don't put in a lot of putting. Just if you go back and look at who's won this event in the past, they're usually pretty good putters, to be perfectly honest with you. So uh, that's something that I, I like to just kind of look at a little bit. And I, I actually included the 100 to 125 proximity solely because that's scoring distance. Like a lot of the deep bombers, if they want to play bomb and gouge, they're going to gouge it into this range and hopefully get it up close enough that they can make some birdies. So let's load that up and look at it over the past 100 rounds and just see if anything interesting comes up. Uh, that's always the method that I like to do. So I'm going to close out Kevin Tway here and just kind of wait while well, that loads up. I'm going to, is it loaded? Nah, it's not loaded as of yet. Be faster. It's pretty fast, but let's be, let's be honest here. Um, let's see. Let's take a look at the proximity from last year and see where guys did really well obviously Finau proximity total was bad because as we've seen here that the 150 to 175 was not great for bullet tooth Tony but guys from that range uh the 100 to 125 Mike Weir good lord he made the cut Oh, that is shocking news. Uh, but we see, like, uh, you know, first place, eighth place, second place. Uh, the only guy to miss the cut who was inside, like, the top 25 from that range was Michael Thompson. Uh, you know, Ben Ann, I assume he lost all of his strokes putting, as he does every single week. But you'll see, like, a bunch of guys inside the top 10. I mean, you're going to see that pretty common around the course. Uh, this one, the 125 to 150, a bunch of guys missed the cut from that range, but Kevin Na and Hatton both fell into that bucket. Uh, if we look from the 150 to 175 range, a few more top 10s in here, some of the back-end guys from the top 10. Uh, if we look at the 175 to 200, which coincidentally where the plurality of the shots actually come from, not the biggest determining factor in showing up on the leaderboard. So I find that somewhat interesting. Uh, not the best from beyond 200 yards. Putnam, who came third, is down there. Blixt and CT Pan are down there as well, but that one is a bit more of a crapshoot. What if we just really go in? Oh, maybe this is the range to look at. Third, third, 19th, 8th, 8th. Guys from one from 75 to 100 yards kind of pop up. Russell Knox in there as well. Interesting stuff. Uh, oh, there's Justin Rose's name. Now let's just take a look at Justin Rose for a second because I saw his betting odds were 40 or 45 to 1, depending on where... You end up, I believe he's 40 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook, and that's a spot that uh, almost anyone can use right now. And we can just look back at the past 12 months and see what he's done um, from that 150 to 175 range, a place where historically he's been very good. He's been abysmal over his last five starts, including a solid minus 21 from that range <laughs> at the Firmers. Uh, let's just go to his overview of just actual just strokes gained uh, and see how he's doing. Uh, let's Let's check out... The fairways and see how he's been doing. Well, he's got he switched clubs. This is why I'm very interested in him. Like if he has figured out the iron game, then maybe all of a sudden he's back to being a lot better than he has been. Uh, it just seems like really deep odds for a guy who's won at this course before uh, and can be a really elite player. Maybe he's too busy 
posing in Instagram photos with the tailor-made and MasterCard logo and Morgan Stanley. Maybe that's his focus now. I don't know. But uh, that's that's something he's a very interesting player to look at. Like He's still sixth in the modeling over the past 100 rounds if we factor it out long-term. I bet you if we shrunk that down into the past 24 or the past 12, like he's in the back half of this. So let's sort by my rank. I don't always just blindly take who sorts out the best in, in this sort of ranking, uh, but I think it is somewhat informative to tell me, like, hey, are these the guys that I should be going in on? Like, I expect Rory and JT and Xander and Rom and Morikawa to be near the top of all of this stuff. It's when a weird outlier name, like, oh, Neiman, that's really interesting. Why Joaquin Neiman? So if we go to Neiman and we check it out, why has Neiman been doing why is he popping up so highly in the model? Three straight missed cuts. That's not very good. Although that is only two rounds of anything. But look at this approach streak he's been going on. So gained a stroke and a half, only two rounds. Half stroke, two rounds. That He was even that week. 49th at the Farmers. That's only three rounds of data because they play the North Course at Torrey Pines, which does not have shot length. Not so great. The Sony, 2.2. And that's a corollary course that we talked about. Lost 7.3 on the greens. Uh, he won at Greenbrier. So realistically, the only time he's lost strokes since last year's Charles Schwab, where he did lose strokes and 4.2 strokes on the green, was at the Open Championship, which has really wonky data to begin with. So that's really encouraging. So he definitely checks the box with a box with approach, and I weighted that at 30%. So therefore, he's obviously coming in. You can see that the putting is probably holding him back. But interesting for him, he actually gains strokes on bent grass. Uh, that's Super intriguing to me. He loses on Bermuda and loses a lot on Poa. Something about Bent, and that's where he gained the eight and a half when he won at the Greenbrier. So that really kind of sticks out to me of something that he's done pretty well here. Let's see how he's done at the Charles Schwab. Well, he's played here twice. He came eighth and gained strokes putting. 5.8 two years ago. Lost strokes both on approach and putting the year before. So a mixed course history when it comes down to it, but it has made the cut both times. If he can get back to these driving numbers where he's really been struggling lately, uh, as we've seen, and not you know, he goes from gaining a stroke and a half per event to down to 0.6. You know, you would like to see everything up where it was. Uh, he's not killing himself around the greens, but back on bent, maybe he can putt a little bit better. Only 7,400 bucks. So I'm going to put a quick star next to his name as someone who kind of intrigues me. Connors, on the other hand, when we look at it, bad out of the sand. There's a lot of sand at this course uh, and one of the worst players on tour around the greens. Now, one of the good things about Corey Connors is he's going to hit a ton of fairways. He's been excellent at approach, and he, too, actually has won in Texas when he Monday qualified at the Houston Open two years ago and got himself in. As you can see, Bermuda and Bent, he's bad at putting. Poa, he is a disaster putting. Now, this is interesting, though. The average strokes gain round by difficulty, you know, he does really well at easy courses and very poorly at difficult courses. When we went back to the historic conditions, you know, hitting fairways are difficult, and so is scoring relative to par. So maybe not the best fit for Corey Connors. I believe he came inside the top 40 here last year. So let's see how he ended up doing there. Oh, he's, oh, sorry, is that Connors or is that Neiman? That's Connors. Here we go. Connors has been killing it on approach, killing it off the tee. He's out in eighth place two years ago, 31st the year before. Not as bad as I would have thought, to tell you the truth, and actually gained two years ago. So maybe Connors, likely to be a popular name. Probably these three guys, Neiman, Connors, and Ben Ann, of course. If Ben Ann can make a putt, he's going to win. <laughs> but And he played really well at Wyndham last year, too, when he actually hadn't made a bogey through like 70 holes. Finally made one, then boom, it was all over. Joel, not Joel Damon, J.T. Poston ends up stealing it from him. Uh, but those players are going to be really interesting likely chalky in the $7,400 range I would guess at least 
on early lean that Ben Ann just carries so much name recognition from people playing him so often. And that's a really good price for him. Like he's going to be a cash game staple, and that's going to bleed itself over into the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. Uh, so those three guys, they're going to be on the radar. Hovland is interesting as well. Uh, he did get the win in Puerto Rico, but how else has he really been doing? Let's see. He was very bad at Honda. Honda can be really tricky for approach shots because there's so much water on that course. Here's the thing that would worry me. Uh, just the amount of strokes bled around the greens. Like He's really limiting his upside by not being able to get it up and down. He's going to make a bunch of birdies, which is excellent for DraftKings scoring, but in terms of winning and maintaining his spot inside of the top 10 or top 20 where you need him at that price point. I mean, if you're playing the millionaire maker, you need him to come inside the top 10 or win at that point. But let's just talk about it in, you know, caching, trying to build a constructive lineup that he gives so many back. So good for DraftKings scoring. We'll probably outscore his position just based on DraftKings points, but the overall upside is somewhat limited in that facet. Another guy um, who has been better on bent in his career than he has on anywhere else. So that's those are some really interesting names that kind of pop out when we take the the oh look at this Eric Van Royen Eric Van Royen's only forty rounds of data not the greatest data going uh, but I am curious to see so top half in fairways gained all right at putting let's see not great around the greens not great out of the sand at least in his time over in these weighted been has yet to play on bent grass and anything so let's see uh, in Mexico gained around the greens i remember him chipping in on his birthday so that, that would have worked out well and just to look at it wgc is the open championship the u.s open so uh that's a bit you know, tougher fields to be doing really well but the approach has been off the charts he's 140 to one that could be worth a bet to be perfectly honest with you we know he's inside the top 50 in the world uh he wears cool pants that everyone really seems to like so maybe this is a spot for him we've seen australians play really well maybe south africans could get into that mix too uh, when it comes down to playing really well in texas uh, we saw russell knox's name pop up a lot of the time uh, he's been really poor off the tee and you expect him to hit more fairways than he's been hitting uh maybe he just simply overachieved in 2016 but he's an interesting name to come up ricky Wish he would hit more fairways, but the baseline for him is not great at hitting fairways. I'm curious to see how he's been trending. Like He couldn't get anything on the same path really at all, but the Arnold Palmer Invitational in really difficult windy conditions, which I doubt it's going to get as windy at Colonial as it got at PGA National, but it's encouraging to see Ricky play a little bit better. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, let's, I can't remember the last time he played here, if at all. Let's see. Missed the cut last year. was bad and 14th in 2018 gained all of those putting lost on approach so not great for ricky uh looking back at his history here uh Grio, we mentioned has a really good history i guess why let's see he hits a ton of fairways good on approach sucks at basically everything else can't putt uh i wouldn't discredit him uh he's only 7100 bucks there's guys that you're gonna have to take i would probably lean for someone like van royen though in that stance over uh someone like you know the ian polters and emiliano grios and maybe even russell knox of the world I'll probably definitely be playing sung jay my initial lean on everything based on what i've seen is that everyone really wants to play bryson everyone really wants to play sung jay and i'm guessing that everyone's gonna want to play scotty scheffler i only 8400 bucks is he overpriced probably not like look at his numbers his numbers are great the dude can't putt but he's a texas guy uh maybe he has these bent grass greens figured out a little bit he's better on bent than anywhere else still not good mind you 
But, you know, off the tee, he's excellent. Generally speaking, he's great on approaches. Just look at these results. He's been fantastic. 28th in Houston the last time that they played in Texas. He was 7th at Greenbrier. So it's a situation where I just feel like he's going to be too popular in this $8,400 range. So let's go check out to see who else is in that range that could rate out really well. Like Kuchar is only one baseline. Kuchar is only one place behind him in these custom rankings. He's only $100 more. I bet you Scotty Scheffler is going to come in at a higher ownership than Matt Kuchar. Maybe that's a pivot point. Someone theoretically like Matthew Fitzpatrick should be pretty good. His game seems to be a bit in the tank right now, but he's still hitting a ton of fairways. You hope that he's the putting savant. Maybe if we called it like the Charles Schwab Masters, he would have a chance because that's more his jam. But when we're looking at it, you just see a guy who, I guess, an Arnold Palmer in the wind, he played really well off the tee and through approach, gained in Mexico on a shorter course. But we just don't have the overall sample size that we'd really like to see from him. RBC Heritage is one he's gained off the tee there. Shocking, actually, a lot of strokes putting at that course. So maybe that there is something to say with Matthew Fitzpatrick. I doubt he carries a bunch of ownership. Day is going to be a real wild card because $8,300 is probably overpriced for him. I saw him as low at 70 to 1 in terms of the betting odds, but he's still crushing the par fives around the greens. He is like setting a record in his three starts this year, an average gained per round. He's just basically chipping everything in. But on the baseline, you see that even with that, he's not even inside the top 10 over the past 100 rounds. He is for putting, as we know. He's not hitting fairways. He's not hitting his approaches close whatsoever. But the putting and short game are really making up for it. Uh, that's just really interesting for me with Jason Day. Uh, he might... Sometimes when you look at it, like Louis, the same thing. Like both are injury risks, obviously, and you can probably even throw Spieth into that bucket. I probably would trust Louis then Dade then Spieth. Uh, although Spieth has such an excellent course history, number one in putting over the past 100 rounds as well. But when you think about it, that you're going to need someone who gets a hot putter. We know that these guys get hot putters, and they're not Denny McCarthy. Like they have a bit of game to them. Louis probably more than anyone, to be perfectly honest. Just you, he's such a wild card when it comes down to it. Tenth in that key par four range as well. And let's see, good out of the sand, good around the greens, hit some fairways. His approach is really spotty. I wonder how his approach looked like coming in. Let's see. Uh, gained at Honda, but missed the cut. Real disaster in Mexico for old Louie, because uh, he hadn't played since the year before. He's playing, I may have played over in the desert and played really well on the European tour during the Middle Eastern swing. Uh, but, you know, towards the end of the year, he played super well. Uh, so Louie might be somewhat interesting there. Is The problem with Scheffler is I think that Scheffler is going to play really well. But that comes down to if you want to win something like the Millionaire Maker and Scheffler is going to carry like a 20% price tag uh, in terms of ownership, you pivot off to the guys who are like 6-7% owned and hope he comes like T38. And then you know, he's not going to be a part of the winning lineup at the price point that he's at. Snedeker is kind of interesting. Berger, forgot, Berger was fire going into the break. Uh, maybe he would have done well with the players. I don't know. Let's see, ninth, fifth, fourth coming in. Let's see how he's played at the Charles Schwab in the past. T53 last year, and that was in the midst of a really poor run for him. But he's gotten his game back together completely. Always better on Bermuda and Poa, as we see versus Bent. Uh, maybe he'll carry a lot of weight because he played so well. Snedeker is someone you could probably get uh, for a lot cheaper. Immaculate around the greens, immaculate on the greens, great out of the sand. Plays these short par fours really well, too. Uh, we know that he shot the 59 at Wyndham. He's played really well at Wyndham in the past. Uh, he's won at Harbortown. Uh, he's lost in a playoff at the Sony Open. So a lot of corollary courses. You have to hope that he can get his shit figured out off the tee, because uh, this is not great 
looking at it. At least the approaches are going to be scattered shot. Putting is always going to be a scattered shot. But one of the nice things to know is that when he actually does gain strokes putting a lot of the time, it's a lot of strokes. 5.2, 4.2, 3.8, 7.3, 3.8. You're going to lose strokes putting from time to time. That's going to happen. Let's see, 7.5, 7.3, 4.9 last year at the Charles Schwab. T19 lost 5.2 on approaches let's check out his history here he's lost on approach both times that's not great but gained everywhere else it's interesting to me that he's actually gained both times off the tee at the charles schwab so maybe snedeker if that name isn't getting floated around a lot maybe he's a guy that you can end up going with the defending champ is down there uh, let's just sort by fairways gain to see who does really well furic probably not going to use furic uh, a lot of that is leaning on not necessarily like long time ago it's only the past 100 rounds uh he's still gaining on approaches but he's been a lot worse basically since he he peaked in this little like mini run at the players played well at valspar and then things kind of went downhill a little he's still making a ton of cuts has missed the last three though so that's somewhat worrisome for me when looking at it i mentioned more he hits a ton of fairways stewart is 6200 bucks for stewart that's not a lot kisner shockingly back up there let's see the todd father is up there let's take a look at these three guys so steward you always like him more on bermuda obviously loses strokes putting on bent maybe that's just that's just enough to cross him off the list as he has not been playing well anyway has not been hitting his approaches so let's get rid of brian stewart despite the fact that he hits a ton of fairways kisner Kills it on Bentgrass, former champion. Maybe he's going to carry a ton of ownership, but has been horrible with his irons going into the break. Maybe the break fixed him. I don't know. That's going to be tough to figure out. But at Sony, which I identified as a corollary course, he came fourth earlier this year. That's always interesting to see. Let's see, the last time, last year, he missed the cut at this event. So he really hasn't been awesome frankly, over for the past year or so. But you see spots where he jumps up. Maybe getting him back on bent, maybe a little bit of time off is the way that you want to go. Uh, Mr. Putting himself, uh, those are positive numbers. A positive on bent, positive on Bermuda, has won in Texas in the past, has won twice already this year, and hits a ton of fairways. Uh, did not play well at the Long Genesis. Not a big shocker there. In a stacked field, WGC Mexico, that uh, came 37th. I mean, in a no-cut event, when you give the guy give the great players more and more opportunities. I would take him at a shorter course like this. Played well at Sony. Uh, going back to it, so maybe that's a spot. Like the OHL Mayakoba is a very short course. Played well there. Uh, the Canadian Open was a short course last year. Did not play well, but that's before he had his resurgence and he had the back-to-back wins. It's funny that he played in two tournaments uh, with back-to-back wins that don't have shot link data for him, but that's an interesting... He played, was actually off to a hot start at TPC Sawgrass, too, before it got canceled. Only $6,800. Uh, he's someone that could catch a hot putter. Really good out of the sand. Um, obviously, baseline numbers, when we look back at the past 100 rounds, are going to tell a different story than maybe what his last six months were, but that's something that maybe you can jump on. Duffner has come second at this tournament twice. He's like Raza's guy. Raza likes going with Duffner here. Uh, let's see, Tita Green. He's been on a nice run of Tita Green's. Uh, approach, either boom or bust, it seems. And anytime you can lose 9.2 strokes putting in any event, that's pretty impressive stuff. Let's see how he is on bent, though. Even worse on bent than anything else. Maybe you roll the dice and hopefully he can figure out the magic here. Uh, the Charles Schwab the last two years where we have the data from him. Uh, he gained last year, very poor on approaches, but he does have two runner-up finishes in the past, like I mentioned. So that's something to figure out. 
Uh, let's see, Answer pops up really well. Hadwin has been really kind of spotty this year, but he is someone who hits a ton of fairways. Uh, played really well at Valspar, which is a shorter, harder course. He has a win at that event. So maybe someone we can look at. So that's interesting to me. I don't really parse out the top end guys. I try to talk those out. You can make a case for any one of these top end guys. Woodland comes in at a really nice price. Uh, He had not been playing the best going into it, but as we know about Gary Woodland, he's someone who generally plays well on short courses. Actually, he was playing well. He's playing much better than I thought he was. Uh, 12th and 8th, a ton on approach, too, in the past four or three events. So maybe that's that's a name to dial up. Has he played this? No, he hasn't played the course. I'm not too concerned about who has played what courses and who hasn't uh, over the long term. But let's just get out of the custom stat model and go back to the original strokes gain. Because now I've done kind of a little bit of a deep dive on the field. Haven't done a full fleshed out anything on all of the players as of yet. But I'm going to sort it just generally by courses that are less than 7,200 yards. I had the past 100 rounds in there. I'm probably going to shrink that down once it ends up loading. Because, frankly, like you can see, Rory only has 76 weighted rounds on that. Let's shrink that to the last 36 rounds on courses from this range. And just I, strokes gain total is nice to look at, but that also includes putting. When you go into it, let's just look at tee to green to see who plays the best. Rory, JT, Rom, Dustin, Reavy sneaks his way in there, and that's interesting. Webb, Webb's probably going to be a go for me at this course. I mean, Wyndham, Harbortown, Colonial. Sony Open, RSM. These are Webb Simpson type of tracks. Harmon and Moore, I'll probably have to look more into those guys. Neiman has played these really well, although he's bad around the greens. Day, all of a sudden, kind of pops up a little bit better. Is that all putting? No, he's only 24th in putting on these courses. So he actually plays some of the shorter stuff really well. Answer, Hovland, Varner, Connors, Brooks. Maybe Woodland is not as good on these things. Where is Woodland? Woodland comes in 42nd tee to green, 46th. Interesting stuff. Let's see how he's been doing. Why is that number where it is? The short game, the around the green is just absolutely destroying him. Tee to green. 22nd off the tee, 54th in approach. But at Honda, he gained a bunch. We don't have the numbers on Zozo. Did not play well at Shriners in terms of approach. Northern Trust. Interesting stuff from him. U.S. Open, obviously, he won, so he was lights out there. But the the rep on him over the years has been the results have come pretty well uh, at courses that have been a bit shorter, although the recent data does not support that whatsoever. So you have to kind of play this one by ear. So that's a misconception in my mind that maybe we can parse out just a little bit. But, you know, Rory also dominates on these short ones. That's really going to be the thing. Like, do you want to go with Rory, JT, or Rom? Or do you want to fade that entire range and maybe start with Bryson? Or just don't play any of the top end guys and really load up on, let's say you play, I doubt a lot of people are going to use Brooks because he was playing poorly going in. We haven't seen any good results from Dustin Johnson recently. Like if you go with Brooks and Dustin or, you know, Webb, Morikawa, Rose is your start, maybe throw Day into there. Like those are going to be unique lineups. You probably don't even need to be that unique when it comes down to it. So that's really interesting to me. I'm going to highlight Webb because I like him. I still might go with Woodland because of that price tag. And I'm curious to see what the ownership. I don't think that there's a lot of people who've starred lineups, but once people do, we can go into the most popular plays of the week. And basically what it does is takes an aggregation of all of the members of Fantasy National who they've starred, and then it kind of puts out of who the most popular plays on the site are going to be. So let's see here. Uh, members with only fewer than 300 members of Fantasy National have actually started players so far. That's a very small sample. But let's just see uh, calculated ownership right now. 
Webb, Reed, Rom, Finau, JT, Spieth, Im, Rory, Na, Kutras. You can see some early leans. So another way to kind of view this is sort of by salary. You can kind of see where the pivot points actually come. Shane Lowry, no one's using that guy. Matthew Fitzpatrick and Louie and Jason Day, no one using that guy. Those three guys. I'm kind of shocked that Scheffler is as low as he is. Maybe that ends up growing as it goes along. But of the top-end guys, it appears like this Xander... Dustin and Ricky range is going to be lower owned, as is Gary Woodland. Uh, so that's kind of interesting to see. Uh, when we go through it, Snedeker and Berger uh, and Hovland are all kind of down. Let's see if I was right about Bjorn Hanan. Where are you at, Bjorn Hanan? Uh, what was he, $7,400? Bjorn Hanan, 8.1. So no one's really, Russell Knox, 9.2. Wow. So the early members are really going towards this accuracy thing so maybe that's how it's going to end up shaking out and there's not a whole lot of great options from the very bottom so that's going to force people up into like this range of the high sixes uh into the low seven so you might see some ownership gravitate into here you want that sample to mature though before you get a real idea of how ownership is going to play out but i always like to look at it curiously to see where the first people click on that's a just a different way that you can use this tool once you have all your players started you can go to the lineup generator uh and make your lineups that way even when you're in there you can parse things out i think i'm going to play rose at least my my initial inkling is to play rose when it comes down to this like i said former winner people are off him because of the form going in he has the club switch so that's where my early leans are going to be um, let's just take one more look. Let's just look at approach in general on courses from this range to see if anyone really sticks out. Grio, man, Ryan Moore keeps popping up along with Grio and all of this. What has Ryan Moore been doing? Last 36 rounds on courses that are this short. Well, lost, lost. That's not great. Thank, thanks for coming out uh, in his past two tournaments. Let's just take a look at the tournaments in general where he's done. Let's see. Lost 4.5, gained 4.5. Lost 3.2 on the greens, gained 4.8. Hmm. He was on a bad run of this. Let's see if this is a tournament. Nope, not a ton of history from this one. Uh, shorter courses, didn't play Wyndham. Did he play John Deere? Nah, yes, 18th at John Deere. Good off the tee, good on approach. Interesting. Didn't play Sony this year. Didn't play Harbortown last year. So not a huge sample on courses from that range. Let's see. The American Express... Played pretty decently. Gained on approach in both rounds of the die course. Uh, played well at Shriners uh, in terms of approach. Played well at John Deere in terms of approach. Travelers in terms of approach. So the approach is probably going to be there. Can he make a few putts at this course? I, I guess we'll have to find out if you want to go with Ryan Moore. But he does continuously pop up uh, on a lot of the stuff that we're looking at. So that's interesting to see. Um, I might have to go into a deeper dive and convince myself, do I want to play the likes of Grio and Ryan Moore? Uh, one more thing I want to do before we get out of here is sort by bent grass in terms of green type and just see if there's anyone who's a massive outlier either way. We'll go past 36 rounds. That seems like a decent enough sample. Although putting, you probably want to go a little bit longer so i'll go past 50 rounds on bent grass you can even go deeper than that if you want to if you want to go by year you can do that right here or if you click on time frame you can set a custom date range of the specific tournaments that you want to look at so strokes gained hostler snedeker na spieth well na and spieth have both won at this course in the past kisner is seventh he's won at this course ah, there's there's the todd father himself coming inside the top 10 rose that's nice to see norin 
Norn's an interesting name. I wasn't even thinking about Norn. I, I almost guarantee that when we get Feinberg on the show on Monday, he's going to be touting Alexander Norn because he loves Alex Norn. Um, who else? Day is up there. Reed, Hadwin. Interesting names. Who's at the very bottom? That's always fun to see. Oh, Keith Clearwater, obviously. Palmer. Home course is colonial. Can't putt on bent grass. Classic Ryan Palmer. Might still use him. We'll see. Connors, Grace. Cam Champ is down there. Another guy who seems to have a bit more success on shorter courses than longer courses, which seems really counterintuitive to his skill set. Uh, we can, I mean, that's just by their rank. We can go uh, by average as well and see if there's like a weird outlier. 1.8 strokes lost per. Wait a Looking good there, Keith Clearwater. Only 18 rounds and bent Matt Wallace uh, is pretty good. 1.4 per round. Uh, that's impressive stuff. Snedeker and Norin really do rate out well. They have the full 50 in terms of sample size, as does Fowler, Spieth, and Nah Kisner. So maybe that is a lean. Leishman up there as well. Maybe Leishman's a name that's going to get a little bit overlooked at $8,900. So decent enough names that kind of stick out. You can attack this in many different ways. One of the things that Ben Raza likes to talk about is stacking players with similar skill sets. So one thing that you might want to do is say, hey, you know, everyone wants to play the all-approach team, the all-bomber team, the all-accuracy team. Maybe you want to play the short game and putting team. It's high variance and not very consistent, obviously, but if you can hit right on your six guys and all of a sudden you're looking pretty good. Maybe inventor of basketball, Matthew Naismith, is a way to look. Uh, Snedeker, who I mentioned, Norin, Ricky, Spieth, not nah, all guys who gain on both per round uh, on bent. I mean, maybe it's not best to look at bent around the greens. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, that's for you to decide if you want to go through that. But uh, let's see, just overall around the green, who gains the most? That's total. Let's look at average. Strokes gained around the green. Stricker, Ben Ann, Snedeker, Spieth. So it's a lot of the same similar names. So that's interesting to see pop up as well. And we get, you know, Thomas, Xander, Reed. Xander's really worked hard on his around the green game. Uh, it's really come up really well. Then you have someone like Siwoo Kim, who you never know which guy you're going to get. Uh, I always like to bet Siwoo Kim. Rarely like to roster Siwoo Kim on DraftKings. It's not a whole lot of fun when you get five or six through the cut. Then you have Siwoo who just, you're like, oh, Siwoo's three shots inside the cut line. We're looking good for our six of six. Then he's like 20 over the next time that you tune back in. You're like, good God, Siwoo. What are you up to? But as a bet, we know that when his game is on, like he's won at Wyndham. He's won at uh, TPC Sawgrass. He has come second, lost in a playoff at... Uh, at Harbortown, all short courses, which all fit the mold of this place. He was running really hot last year at Valero in Texas as well uh, before Corey Connors just putted the lights out. No one could catch him anymore. So another guy that maybe you want to take a look at, but you just have to know that the variance comes in with him just so heavily uh, that you probably just don't want to do that to yourself. And that will do it on the Pat Mahou Experience. Charles Schwab Challenge Research Breakdown. Again, picks on Monday for the bets and then... On Tuesday, we're going to have the full DraftKings breakdown with Raza and Rick Gaiman. Live chat, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. YouTube on the DraftKings channel, on Facebook, on facebook.com slash the PME. Get your live questions in there. Hopefully, I can answer questions better than I can cut my own hair. But hey, you know, I'm bad at a lot of things, as is evidenced by the visual that you're seeing right now. Hopefully, some of my picks can be better than that. Uh, But a lot of us are just playing it by ear with this tournament, not knowing what to go on. I would caution that if there are unknowns, things you really can't account for, you almost have to leave them aside. Maybe you want to go with gut instinct. That's your method of doing it. 
go go for it. Like, you know, there's no right answer to any of this. But I think for me, I'm going to throw a lot of that to the side and maybe try for once not to let my biases creep in and make my decisions for me. But as you see, I just went through Fantasy National, uh, you know, for 45 minutes or so. Obviously, I'm a lot faster at doing this stuff when I'm not speaking through it. I can open up 20 tabs at one time. Probably would have made it a bit more difficult to follow along. I hope you were able to follow along. And you can just kind of see the customizable attributes of FantasyNational.com. Again, it's free right now until Thursday. Highly recommend that everyone go check it out. All you need is an email address. If you do enjoy the site afterwards and you want to play those showdown contests or have it for the following weeks, there's going to be huge, huge prize pools on DraftKings and just outright bets. And maybe you have an inkling and you can really put these stats and numbers and tools to good use. Uh, Use the promo code Mayo. Get yourself a discount once it goes back behind the paywall. But this is the only time you're probably ever going to have a chance to try this out for free. So I highly recommend you go do that. Smash a like for the episode. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts for the Pat Mayo experience and subscribe to everything as well. Uh, There's going to be a ton of content coming out, not just from me. There's a bunch of different places. My article will be up on DraftKingsPlaybook.com on Monday as well uh, if you want to go check that out. But there's a ton of great podcasts. The Tour Junkies are going to have their podcast. Uh, Wiley and Golf Landy are going to have their podcast. Uh, Toe Tag and Tambo. Tyler Tambellini and Kenny Kim, the Fantasy Golf Degenerates. They're going to have their show. Uh, Tambo just went to Roto Grinders. Congratulations to him. I know he is expecting as well uh, right along the same time with me. Some of the things that we were discussing at the DFS Open. So congratulations to him. Uh, He's been killing outlaw league of legends he's one of the best players so i highly recommend you go check him out the fantasy golf bag guys uh drew matthews you check him out uh rick run good obviously over at awesome you have ben raza and a great team over there there are so many great resources out there uh jeff ulrich reed fowler i'm definitely gonna miss someone i apologize if i forgot to mention your name or forgot to mention your podcast but You can check out, I actually built a list on Twitter for golf follows. I think everyone is in there. If you want to follow me at the PME, go into my list. There's golf follows uh, as a part of that. Jeff Feinberg, obviously, is one definitely one you want to go check out. But so many great resources. Try to consume as many. Uh, Retweet everyone going out there. This is a great, it's an excellent opportunity for golf to make a mark, but a lot of people in this industry as well. We've all been grinding for a really long time with a focus on golf right now. Uh, Gupscorner.com, Kenny Kim just went there with Gup himself. Uh, you can go check out those guys as well. That There's so many valuable resources. Showing some love to the community this week, retweeting a lot of stuff, uh, telling a friend, a, like, hey, listen, no one has the overall best picks. I mean, some people have better picks than others. Mine are like the worst. So, you know, take that, take whatever I say with a grain of salt. There are some really good guys, but no one has the magic answer. No one has the key to unlock everything. There's good process. There's good research. And hopefully that translates into everything. Like I'm bad at tournament selection. Raza is really good at tournament selection. He is someone to listen to on that front when it comes down to it. So try to take in as much as possible. If you have friends that are getting into golf, recommend one of these places. I would say recommend the Pat Mayo experience uh, as one, but you can recommend whoever else you want. But it is a chance for a lot of us in the industry to really rise up and really make a mark with the spotlight on us. Paul and Cody on my UFC show have been absolutely nails when it comes down to that, and they've seen their followings grow. More people are tuning into their shows because they're doing really great content. They're not the only ones in the UFC space that are doing 
really great content, but they're one of the ones that are doing really great content. Uh, and they appear on the Pat Mayo Experience brand, so big ups to them. And Paul produces this show. Cody's one of my best friends, so i got to give them big ups on that. But it's a great opportunity to really spread around, create awareness, and really get people consuming a lot of content. This is one of the best communities that is out there, one of the most positive communities that's out there and we do help each other out along the way we're all technically competition when i'm playing my DraftKings live i'm trying to beat you when i'm releasing my podcast i hope it gets the most downloads way more than everyone else's the most video views but at the same time i want everyone else's to do well too competition is good for all things especially in this space and the more eyeballs we get the more accountability we get i mean like i said i'll be accountable i'm shit at this but People seem to enjoy the shows for whatever it's worth. Uh, and I can shed a light onto people who are really good at this. So it's an opportunity to really help create awareness for a lot of people out there. Some people need it. Some people don't. But really try to be positive in this time. And good luck. This was fun. I'm so glad to be back. I was off for like three weeks, like I mentioned, chasing the kids around. Uh, I'm going to be back, digging back into golf. I'm so fired up golf is back. Uh, and the shows are going to be more fun throughout the week. It's not going to just be me talking. We're going to be yelling at each other. There's going to be arguments, losing bets, hopefully some winning bets. We were riding a two, well, Jeff was riding like a three or four bet winning streak for tournaments coming in. I'm still convinced Patrick Cantlay was going to win the players. I'm not going to give myself credit for that win, but I did hit the two tournaments before that. So hopefully I can make it the turkey, the three in a row coming in. So again, like, sub, do all that great stuff, follow on Twitter, and you can check out those lists to find out all of the people in the industry that maybe you just don't know about and maybe you want to find out about. Then you can tell some friends about it too. Sorry for rambling. I'm just excited. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.